Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And this week on the show, we have a special guest with us. You know him from the Hammer and Rails website, Kyle Holderfield. Kyle, how are you doing this evening? Absolutely fantastic on this cold, rainy October evening. Well, there you go. Uh, Kyle is checking in from Lafayette. Um, he is actually an assistant football coach at, tell us all about it, Kyle. <laughs> Harrison High School. I That's what I teach thought. There. Yeah, we are. We're 6-1 and one on the year, going for a conference championship this coming week against and, Travis uh, Miller's alma mater, Pokemon. Oh, better, better take them down. Um, but what position do you coach? What is your role on the team? Uh, wide receivers, uh, JV, head coach, passing game coordinator, sports information director. Uh, we can just stop there with the roles. Okay. Recruiting but person. Basically, the reason I'm asking you this is I, you know, for those who don't read everything you put on the site or who maybe, you know, haven't followed you since you've joined the site, to give you kind of an update and a background of what Kyle knows about football, and obviously it is more than what myself or Casey know about football. So we wanted to bring him on um, because Casey and I have kind of been saying the same things about what we think about Jeff Brom's performance throughout the year, um, but I think it's good to have another take come in. Um, we, we don't know if, if Kyle's going to agree with our thoughts or not, but I, I wanted to bring him on and get his opinion as someone who coaches football um, obviously, you know, he doesn't get paid five to six million dollars like Jeff Brom. Um, but we, you know, we thought his opinion would be worthwhile. I could do the same job as Jeff Brom for half the same. <laughs> well, that's off to a good start then how we're going to look at it. So uh, before we get too deep into the Purdue loss to Minnesota, um, I do have a question for both of you. How are you celebrating today's holiday? Say what now? How are you celebrating today's holiday? What is this going to be a dork thing? No, this is the the, the Mean Girls movie reference. Hey, Kyle gets it. Yeah, today's I'm married. October third, National Mean Girls Day. I mean, I'm a mean girl every day. There you go. That's all you need. So that was the question. There was no real 
follow-up. I just wanted to make sure everyone out there knows we're recording this on October 3rd, National Mean Girls Day. So go ahead and watch Mean Girls. You won't be upset about it. It's a fantastic All right. Now, that out of the way. Purdue obviously lost in a disappointing game on Saturday to the Minnesota Golden Gophers in a game that was quite winnable. Um, they lost 20-13. to 13. This is now the third game in a row that Purdue has managed only 13 points on offense. They are, of course, 1-2 and two in those last three games. And for those keeping track at home, that means Casey was correct on his prediction and I was incorrect. So Casey is now 5-0 and oh in predictions and I am 4-1. and one. So he has bragging rights over me. Now, um, I want to get into kind of our general thoughts of the game. But before we do that, I want to go over some stats because there were a lot of question marks going into the game. Aiden O'Connell played the whole game at quarterback other than a few um, snaps to Austin Burton where they were all runs. Um, Aiden O'Connell was 34 of 52, 371 yards, one touchdown, one interception, um, but he also had one fumble that was lost. So he did account for two turnovers. Um, David Bell did play in the game, six receptions, 120 yards, uh, no touchdowns. King Doru came back. He apparently is a listener to the podcast uh, because he heard me say that I did not think he would turn Purdue into a running team if he came back. Um, however, he proved me wrong. 21 carry, 95 yards, average of four and a half. Um, and he looked really good out there. Um, offensive line actually opened up some holes for him. So uh, the, the run game was much improved. We wound up, granted, with only 77 total running yards because uh, O'Connell lost 44 uh, with because of those four sacks he took. But, you know, I will take 95 from Doru. So with that out of the way, um, Kyle, I want kind of your impression on what you thought of the uh, the offensive game plan from Jeff Brom. Yeah, first of all, the dumbest stat in football is taking away rushing yards for quarterback sacks. I, I hate that statistic. Yeah, it doesn't. It but doesn't, it is unfair to the run game. I feel like. Yeah, it is what it is. I, I it's just a terrible, terrible statistic. It should be. It's I think, in my opinion, its own. Um, you know, we still threw the ball fifty-two times and. Without taking the, you know, the the quarterback runs that were sacked by Aiden O'Connell, we ran it 30 in a, in a game where it was a, you know, completely a torrential downpour. And I think I said it to you guys in the group chat, like since Jeff Brom's been in West Lafayette, I think he's one in five in rain game um, at Rossade Stadium. Um, the one I think being week one of this year is a little, it wasn't like it was this past weekend, but it was, um, it was muddy and messy um, where we beat Oregon State. And I mean, I, maybe if we have Xander Horvath, he's it's more 50-50. But uh, the the fact that we have this quarterback that's quite frankly a statue in the pocket in comparison to our other quarterbacks, and we're dropping him back to pass 52 times in the game where he can't scramble at all because one, he doesn't have the ability to, and two, uh, I mean, it, it's a wet, messy game. Um, I think is is a disservice. And King Daru averaged four and a half yards per carry. And, uh, he probably, in my opinion, should have been closer to 30 carries to control the, the game. But the real problem is the red scoring. Um, Absolutely. Settling, settling for field goals where I think we've had now 21 trips to the red zone and only eight of them have ended in touchdowns this year. Probably mostly all against the University of Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you throw up 49 points against one of the worst teams in college football, that is really going to help your stats. Absolutely, yeah. Outside of the UConn game, if we take the UConn game off our – off of our stats, our offense is averaging 17 points per game, which you're not going to win many college football games doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with when you just look at numbers. And 
that Connecticut game really is inflating everything that we've done and kind of holding us up to probably unreasonable expectations for what we can expect from this offense. Yeah, absolutely. It's a super, it's a super limited offense. There's not outside of David Bell. I mean, who's your playmaker? I mean, I, the, the tight end Payne Durham, he's hurt right now, um, but he had a bad case of the drops beforehand anyway. Uh, you know, we don't stick to a run game, so we don't have a dominant running back that we can just lean on. Uh, Milton Wright drops too many passes, and T.J. Sheffield and Jackson Anthrop don't catch the ball deeper than five yards down. Milton yeah, Wright got better in rain. That's what like, I was about to say. We Milton might need to wet his ball every pass. It's true. Uh, he took his gloves off. So that's not that's a phrase I thought I was going to say today. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. We're just going to glow right past that one. I, I don't want to harp too much on the offense without at least giving the defense credit. Because they did hold Minnesota to 20 points, and you would hope if you hire a guy who's touted as an offensive guru, an offensive genius, and an offensive mind, a quarterback whisperer, any number of things that Jeff Brom has been called throughout his career, you would think if he can put together a defense that can hold a team to 20 points, you're going to walk away with a victory most times. So I want to give full credit to the defense because they have been carrying the load this season, and they've been putting up games that you didn't we didn't expect from them when we went into this this season and they've they've put Purdue's offense in a position to win these games and Purdue just simply hasn't been able to take advantage of it so I mean Purdue had granted you know we're not really seeming to rack up the sacks that we would expect given the the talent on the defensive line um, there were two tackles for loss um, three quarterback hurries um, you know I mean they they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and made him uncomfortable. You know, they did their job on the offense or on the defensive line. So I again want to just point out that the defense is doing enough to win games, but the offense is just not not taking advantage. I think there's something like twelfth in the nation and points per game allowed right now, which yeah. again, like you like you just said, um, you hire a guy like Jeff Brown who's hangs his hat on the offense and he finally has this defensive staff, his best defensive staff in defensive team since his first year um and he is not doing much with it on the other side of the ball and that, that he needs to take a long look in the mirror you know and, and decide if if maybe he should hand over the play calling duties i mean complete honesty maybe he should just be the head football coach and i mean yeah, that's so kind of the that's kind no, of the, that's kind of the frustration we have a defense something i don't think we expected coming into so of course it's time to change quarterbacks into the guy who is more prone to take risk and turn the ball over mm-hmm. i, I I guess. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Put, I know. You put putting the defense in a re- really bad spot. I mean, it's, oh my God, they've 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 bailed out Aiden O'Connell so many times. I think he has five interceptions on in the year and and a couple of fumbles. And I mean, I, I don't know what Jack Plummer did other than he didn't. The play calling is much more limited when Jack Plummer's in. We don't stretch the field nearly as much. And I I I, I have no idea why that is but hell before the notre dame game nbc was talking about him as a rising player in college football yeah yeah so as someone who you know coaches a football team both from a position coach uh perspective as well as a head coach perspective when you are calling the plays how much does that take away from everything else you're doing as the head coach (laughs) well i don't i mean it's apples to oranges i guess because it's completely different levels right but you know yeah i i i I completely understand but like just it's hard man it's hard you got to have somebody you got to have really good coordinators on the other side of the ball and he has i mean he has three obviously pretty good co-defensive coordinators because they're doing a hell of a job so i think that relieves a little bit of pressure this year 
but you know, I, I don't know why he's falling so short on offense, especially in short yardage in the red zone. Like we, we just can't figure out short yardage in the red zone. And, and yes, it, it takes away from a lot and it probably takes away from a little bit of, of chemistry a little bit. He probably doesn't know the defensive players as well, et cetera, and things like that. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Cause I mean, I know that's something that Casey um, brought up. I believe it was last week saying that maybe it's time for Jeff Brom to, to give up the play calling duties. And we of course mentioned that last season uh, Brom missed those first two games and his brother, Brian Brom called uh, the plays in those first two games. And of course, Purdue uh, came out of those games two and zero. Um, and then after that, lost, you know, the rest of the games uh, during the season. <laughs> Obviously, you can't say they're connected one to one. But, you know, when you see something like that and you notice a change in the offense from those games versus the ones Jeff Brom has called, you have to wonder um, if maybe a change would help the offense kind of kick into high gear a little bit more. I think it adds a good a different perspective. I think that Coach Brom has, you know, kind of got zoned in on this this certain play style. And, you know, when Brian felt the plays last year, we <laughs> We were almost 50-50 in pass to run uh, since Coach Brown's called plays. And since he's been in West Lafayette, I think I they put a statistic on the television a few weeks back. We're second only to Washington State, and 65% of the time we're passing the ball. That's pretty easy to scout. I, that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So before we get too deep into anything else, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and keep going after this Purdue versus Minnesota game. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, and we are back. So one of the things that kind of caused controversy while watching the game was Minnesota's first touchdown. Um, it was uh, a kind of a pass to the corner, well, to the front edge of the end zone. Minnesota receiver hauled it in, but then it did not look like he kept possession as he went to the ground. Um, and as we all know, with all the um, all the reviews we've seen and all the changes to the rules, you do have to keep possession as you go to the ground, especially obviously in the end zone. It did not look to some of us like he kept that. Um, there was no review um, called for, um, but we you know assume as they told us year after year, they they review all scoring plays. So someone was looking at it and determined that it was a touchdown. But um, Kyle, did you think it was a catch and a touchdown? Uh, it was a drop. You can see it in the in the replay <laughs> that a touchdown. it was not a touchdown in my opinion. Okay. It was a drop and he he did not have clear possession all the way to the turf, as they say in the rules a thousand times. Yeah, it, it just I don't know what it is with Purdue and Minnesota, but there always seems to be something a little fishy that goes on uh, with the officials in these games. I mean, last year, of course, it was that phantom pass interference on us. This year, it's a, this catch that 
didn't really seem like a catch. So, I mean, and both of them wiped away touchdown. Well, Purdue had a touchdown wiped away last year, and then this year Minnesota gets a touchdown, seven-point difference in the game. So it's just you, you hate to blame the officials. You hate to have your team put it in a position where one play can make such a big difference. Um, but you feel like when a mistake like that gets made, it really bothers you when it goes against your team because seven points in a game where a team only scores 20 is a hell of a difference. So it's, it's frustrating to see. Absolutely. I mean, they say, you know, they say football is a a game of inches and you know, there you go. There's a prime example of it. They gave seven points could have been 13, 13, uh, late in the game. My real question is, is what the heck are the Purdue defensive coaches up in the box looking at? Cause I know they get instant replay right in front of them. Um, to not call down on the headset and tell Coach Brown to, to challenge it, right? We get one, you get one challenge in college football. Yeah, I wondered about that as well. I mean, it, it was fairly early in the game. I mean, maybe they thought it's too close. Maybe we need to save it. But I mean, how often has Purdue actually used their challenge? Uh, I can't remember a time that Jeff Brown was thrown a challenge flag. I, I, I honestly can't. And it's a scoring play from far away. Right. It's a scoring like, play. You, you challenge and, it. And, and, and your offense is struggling. I mean, I think you got. I think you got to. So I don't know. Maybe they told him, hey, coach, you might want to throw the flag. And he said, no, <laughs> probably different words, but no. Well, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to see uh, somebody ask that question in maybe the upcoming press conference that he he's going to hold as he does every week um, after the game to kind of discuss what went right, what went wrong and look ahead. Um, with obviously the bye week coming up, they may kind of change the schedule on when they do that. But um, that that is something that I'd like to hear an answer on on how that decision went. And if they did think about challenging it. So there's that. Uh, we here at the Hammer and Rails podcast do not think that was a touchdown. Uh, our opinion, however, does not matter. So it was still a loss 20 to 13. Now, uh, before we go, one other thing. Um, Casey wanted to point out um, his thoughts on the quarterback play. So I'm going to push away from the table and allow Casey uh, to talk about how he thought Aiden O'Connell played. Well, I'll start it off with pretty much a tweet I made, which is a perfect tweet. Some people didn't like that tweet. Some people did not like that tweet from you. Well, I'm going to say a a different one than the one people got. Coach Brom has two quarterbacks, one who is too conservative, one is too aggressive. And I'm not sure we've seen any improvement in either in the other direction. Brom's supposed to be a QB guru. Coach him. Stop yanking him back and forth. Coach each one or whichever one's playing to be better and more of what you... That said, everyone who is on the AOC train, all we heard about for the first four games, those interceptions he threw weren't... The majority of them were not his. Those same people are the ones that are trying to ignore the four or five passes he made against Minnesota that should have been interceptions. He ended the game on a terribly thrown interception. That was not needed. It was second down. There was played time on the clock. We were in scoring, and he just chucked it up. We have seen him be a gun slinger and we have seen it bite him in the ass and not as much as it should there were four or five lofted balls that should have been caught by minnesota that would have taken this game entirely out of him and this just kind of seems to be the thread with he is going to challenge in the middle of the field where the most amount of bodies are has he been decent with it he's been okay like he makes more plays but he is making the kind of negative plays that a team that's not as good we're not good enough to make up negative plays. he sits in the pocket too long takes sacks i mean he took us out of field goal range by trying to pretend he's Lamar Jackson running back and forward. Yeah, Forced- yeah I don't know what he was doing on most of those sacks. I mean, some of I don't you can't blame the offensive line for a lot of those sacks. I mean, he had the time, he could have thrown the ball away and instead he's running around back there knowing he's not the most mobile guy, 
trying to make a play, and he ends up, I mean, like we said earlier, he lost 44 yards on those four sacks. Yeah, so, and it comes it, down, we saw on the first the first sack where he lost the fumble, he got back, he finished his drop, scanned the field, and then the rush that came right at his face got, that ball's got to be out of his hand, and he has to hold on. That fumble and sack entirely on him. And then the play when he was moving around, did a good job of getting away from the initial pressure, got outside the pocket, you throw the ball away. You're in scoring position, it's the end of the half, you throw the ball away, it's not a hard decision. Instead, he ends up losing about, what, 22 yards and all of a sudden we can't kick a field goal and that changes the entire we would have been down one guaranteeing that no matter what we did no matter what minnesota did on offense we would only be one possession down plays like that we have too good of a defense that's been playing too good too shaky of an offense to play someone that is going to put us in that kind of negative situation yeah i mean you are right that a lot of people were were in our mentions and even in the comments of uh the recent post we put on there about the podcast saying that we are too hard on AOC and we're not hard enough on Plummer and Plummer doesn't make plays, but AOC makes plays. So if this offense is going to reach its potential, we have to rely on O'Connell because he's the one who's willing to take the risk. And I agree there is some truth to that because this offense has seemed lackadaisical, has seemed like they just can't get the ball in the end zone. As Kyle was talking about earlier, we get into the red zone and then For whatever reason, the play calling changes, the execution changes. We just can't get the ball in the end zone. But when you're a team that is averaging over the last three games 13 points, your quarterback cannot turn the ball over two times a game. You can't waste possessions like that. And especially that last possession, I know it's a it's a high you know pressure situation, but turning the ball over like that as you're trying to go down to tie the game is just. Uh, I mean, it's excruciating to watch, and it's not the first time he's done that. No. Um, I've never seen a walk-on quarterback have such a leash. I watched Jeff Brom <laughs> pull Elijah Sindelar and David Blau out of a game back and forth every other gosh darn that, series yeah. for two years. And now we have this fifth-year walk-on quarterback that is a statue in the pocket. And, and, and I'm sure he was a great kid, and I'm sure they love his story. He only had an offer from some Division two school. They yeah. found him in the mud. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, but my God, I've never seen somebody with such a such a long leash. And Jack Plummer has thrown zero interceptions. 17. Yeah, that's, that, that's my thing. That's my thing. He gets pulled of the Notre Dame game, which I, I'm going to harp on this entire season, because he took some hits. Well, guess what, Jeff? He's a quarterback, and you have a shit offensive line. After scoring the a touchdown. He should have left Aiden O'Connell in there for the duration of that game if he wanted to see a quarterback take some hits, because he wouldn't have evaded any. <laughs> like, you, you don't take your starting quarterback out, who is healthy, because he's taking hits when you're only down a touchdown to a top-ranked team. I don't get it. And then and then people were shitting on us in the comments again because we're like, oh, Plummer's not some delicate flower that you have to treat, blah, blah, blah. Okay, guess what? He is a big-time athlete, and sometimes their psyches can be very fragile. So you've got to understand what you're doing with them when you're pulling them in and out of games or whatever you're doing can impact them and impact how they play. That's just the reality of the situation. And Brom's got to understand that. Yeah, I mean, all I the playmakers bet. were gone for Illinois. What was Plummer supposed all to do? Every play, every pass he made, Milton Wright dropped against him. Yeah, I mean, he had no David Bell. He had no Payne Durham. He had no King Doru. He had no Alexander Horvath. I mean, what what's he going to do? I would bet a lot of money that we will see Jack Plummer in the transfer portal over the year. That's all I'm saying. We yeah. called that AC, last week. 
said the same thing. Yeah, I, why would you stick around? For, Wisconsin would take can, him tomorrow. You can leave and be immediately eligible and not be jerked around somewhere. I mean, that's yeah. just what it comes. And, and maybe AOC leaves and maybe he thinks that he it's his job. But you know, quite frankly, I if I was him, I mean, I I wouldn't. My 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 head football coach doesn't doesn't trust me after nope. three games. I threw that seven t- seven touchdowns and zero interceptions. I mean. And he was, and, I mean, let's, uh, you know, he was winning football games. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what more Plummer can do. Um, I, I don't know if, I would imagine O'Connell's probably going to be the starter from here on out unless, I mean, something goes wrong because he does seem to be the quarterback that Brom has more faith in. He seems to be the quarterback that Brom has wanted. Um, and now he's the quarterback he's got and he's got to ride him. Um, so here, here's my question. He keeps speaking, which is weird. He's like, our coaching staff is divided. What is the chance that it's Jeff Brom for AOC and literally every other coach? It's pretty high. I, I'm going to guess that the Brahms are both AOC because Brian Brom started AOC over Jack Plummer in the season opener last year against Iowa. Well, but do you really think, but do you think that was Brian Brom's choice? Because I mean, even though Jeff Brom was, st- you know, he had COVID, he was out for those games. I mean, it was probably still his choice as far as chart, wouldn't it have been? Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 I bet Jamarcus Shepard is pro a quarterback that can extend plays and make plays down the field. But that's just me because he wants his receivers to make. But I, I don't know. I just, I mean, it, it's very frustrating because, I mean, as I've said before on this podcast, you know, Casey and I are just, you know, jackasses who sit around and watch football and get paid to talk about it and write about it. Um, you know, and we're not we're not great football minds, but there are some things that we see and we're like, I'm not an idiot, right? I'm CS and mm. the guy who makes five million could see this. So uh, you just always wonder, am I overconfident? know what's going on i really don't but i don't know it, it's very frustrating to watch at times we'll see jack Plummer again because aiden o'connell will take a bunch of hits against good defenses here in the next few weeks uh, here when you take some hits that's when you get benched so <laughs> we'll apparently see. so we'll, we'll see if that same logic applies going forward um i think that's about gonna gonna do it here for this week's podcast, uh, as I mentioned, there is no game next week. It is a bye week for Purdue. Hopefully, it gives uh, the team a chance to rest. The dog who's chewing uh, to relax, uh, and then you know, we'll be back after that. Uh, after that. But uh, we will continue to record next week, even though we don't have a game. Um, we'll we'll see if we can get you some exciting Purdue news too. Basketball's uh, to coming up real soon, Ledman. We're gonna be about a month well, out. Basketball started practice, so we we can we can do a little basketball talk. Maybe get Casey's positive attitude back on the podcast. I know you all miss it. So <laughs> uh, that is gonna be it for us. No recommendation this week. It's time for me to go watch my Buccaneers play football on Sunday night. So for Kyle, for Casey, and for myself. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the bye week, and uh, let's get them next week, you know? Let's go out there and just see what happens. All right, boiler up. Boiler mid.